Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, where we create a brand new Hollywood blockbuster based on a random prompt from the internet. I'm joined by four very talented filmmakers, people in the film industry. Our writer, Kyle Decker, who is the seventh member of The Ridiculous Six, was deleted out of the original film for being too lowbrow. Oh, gotta love them poop jokes. Our director, Neville McKenney, who the character Apathy from Inside Out, uh, also cut from the film. Um, he just can't bother. <laughs> and uh, who is also joined, uh, special guest, by uh, his cin- choice cinematographer, Jacob Golliver, who is the uh, Doctor Strange accent consultant. Best one. Absolutely. And um, oh, well, you're talking about the 70s made-for-TV Doctor Strange, right? Uh, no, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. It's it's difficult to pull the British out of him. You know? I was actually both. Right. You know, he's been prolific. Um, and... Our producer, Ian Nystrom, who was a source material consultant on the film Dragon Ball Evolution. So, um... I knew there was a reason I didn't like him. So, we got, uh, yeah, definitely a, um, all-star cast here. And, uh, from the internet, our prompt is, The theme of the story is parody slice of life. The main characters are a frustrated princess and a drunken rogue. The start of the story, longing. The end of the story... Destruction. I was asked to write a parody of, you know, I'm going to write a parody of, of sword and sandal action movies. So, I've got you, this, this is a, a romping action flick. Uh, I got a title for it. I'm going to call it The Fist of Prejudice. So, we have our frustrated princess, and she's frustrated because orcs have taken over her kingdom. And they're doing whatever they want. And she hates orcs because, you know, they're green and they're orcs. She mostly hates them because they're green. In comes the prejudice. So, in order to take care of her orc problem, she hires the leader of a mercenary band who's a drunken rogue type character, a swashbuckler, but he's got an alcohol problem. He's going to be named uh, Lord Fantabular, and the princess is going to be, uh, I don't have a name for her, she's just the princess. She doesn't need a name. So, Lord Fantabular has a grand band of mercenaries and rogues we're gonna get you know i'm gonna write in a bunch of things so we can have action set pieces like there's gonna be a knife thrower and a guy who's good with arrows kind of a magnificent seven of fantasy tropes they're all good with different weapons and all but it can be more than seven i'm gonna write like 10 in there so we have our choices like there's gonna be a guy who uses maces and a guy who uses hammers and everything so the fist of prejudice that's the name of their mercenary band actually um, no, no, let's not do that. That would be that, that'd be a bad name for a company. We wouldn't get much business. It's like, right, that's just the name of the movie. But anyway, this mercenary band, they're hired by this princess to kill the orcs and rid her kingdom of the orcs. And they find out through while they fight the orcs, the orcs are really good people. And it's the princess who's kind of a royal pain in the ass, if you will. And uh, so the orcs and the mercenary band end up making amends 
and teaming up together to overthrow the evil queen, princess, whatever she is, and set up a new kingdom where orcs and humans live side by side. So basically, I've just written multiple action scene after action scene, and there's just this loose plot to tie them together. I have written a section where the group of rogues, they have an airship, and I want all of the, the, the guys coming down with ropes, doing cool things, fighting the queen's evil death guard, like on top of a castle. So like, honestly, I spent like 17 hours and drank three cases of Red Bull just riding the, the Zeppelin castle action scene. I might've been watching a little bit too much uh, on Bach before I wrote this. So I might've written in some like Eastern style martial arts scenes and a sword and sandals sorcery film. But, you know, I know what I like. So there we go. Fist of Prejudice. All right. So the first draft of Fist of Prejudice have been sent um, off to our director and who is letting the cinematographer in on it. So uh, what do you guys think? Uh, how are you going to do Fists of Prejudice? Oh, yes. Well, I, uh, um, I've been wanting to do a film in this genre for a while. My uh, friend Jacob, uh, by the way, my, I'm, I'm originally from Ethiopia. Uh, I've been wanting to do a film like this for a while and me and Jacob we traveled overseas and got to see tons of princesses not no many not many orcs um, we did see some though yes it's not, um, we're, we're not completely empty of orcs in this world let me tell you that <laughs> so one one thing I would like to do in this film is because the theme is longing we we really want to limit the shots in the film so I want to shoot a maximum of 15 shots so the shots are really long shots. Um, so we just stick the camera there and then I want all the actors to be kids. So I want to have Anthony Hopkins as the rogue, um, but we digitize him as a kid. The princess is... Uh, um, well, we're using the Robert Downey Jr. Civil War software, just multiple more decades. Yes, but we, we shrink them as kids. Right. Yeah, so it, it, it reminds me of uh, the Power Rangers, where they had the, the Blue Ranger go big. We go backwards, so it's a small kid. And so for the princess, who I really like to be the princess, uh, the, the female lead from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I really wanted to work with her, and I think her and Anthony Hopkins have, would have this uh, chemistry. Um, I really liked her um, in her films. Um, I think she has a seriousness to her. Um, I think we. I, I think with the shots, limiting the shots, um, when we make the shots really long, uh, that'll create that theme of longing because it has long in it. Yes. Inaritu is super big right now. He's the guy that did the Revenant and Birdman. We're just gonna follow right in those footsteps, and it's gonna be completely, you know, like it's one shot to really make you in the movie. We're also going to limit the color. This is going to be mostly black and white because that's really what it boils down to, you know? It's, that's, that's what everything Except is. Except the orcs. The orcs are green. Black the orcs white. are green, but we take... Uh, right. We, we shoot it all on 35mm yeah. and then we hand paint each film with green paint just for the orcs so it has a touch of tactile. To right, like yes. Lumiere did. Yes. And when... When Neville came to me with this idea for the film, he told me that Michelle Yeoh is going to be the princess. I thought, you know, she's a little bit old to be a princess, but then he told me they're going to be kids. And I knew that this movie was going to be big. So I'm all into this. I'm ready to go. I got some cameras lined up. We're going to be using the, the best cameras that Aerie can ship us. And we're going to really make this thing shine. All right. 
So, um, yeah, so uh, you have received um, the notes from the and director about uh, Fists of Prejudice. So what are you going to do to make this uh, profitable? What's our budget? And what's our, your budget? Yeah, man. Well, I ran by the studio heads. We're thinking maybe that we can get by with $50 million. Now, I know that your guys are thinking that $50 million isn't going to be enough to get all these named actors, plus all the set pieces, the props, you know, the martial arts coordinators, all these things. And yes, that is true. What $50 million can get you, though, is a really good hypnotist. Now, you know, it takes something out of the performers, but it... It gets them working a lot cheaper than they might otherwise work. Now, I we know a couple guys. He may be, uh, you know, he may be involved in some shady practices, a couple of blood cults. Uh, yeah, but you know, deep down, he's really, he's really a team player. And this guy, he can get us. I mean, he's. I mean, blood cult's just another name for community organizer. Exactly. So anyway, we're, we'll so we'll be able to really get these these actors for pennies on a dollar. A couple of caveats is uh, some of our lead actors we may only be able to shoot on say the thirteenth day of any given month on a full moon. I think we can work around that though. Uh, you know, at least these are these are the notes that are my, that our guy's given us. Um, and when I said hypnotist, I really mean necromancer. He's very uh, he he prefers hypnotist because it it looks better on business cards. But really, he's he's performing some very dark magic here to get these people to work with us. Uh, you know, we'll keep that under wraps though, and it'll work out fine. I mean, you know, we can trust these guys, right? I mean, it's Hollywood. Who doesn't know a necromancer? We're liking a lot of the colors. The marketing department thinks these are going to make for some great trailers. We're going to push that really hard. A lot of the desaturated color with the nice green punches. The loving it's testing really well. Some of the long shots, we're going to have a lot of, which is great because they're going to be action shots and everyone loves really long action shots, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's everything in Hollywood these days is just keep you on the edge of your seat and hold you there. It's gonna be great trailer bait. Everybody's gonna love it. You know, having some of our actors be uh, mildly sedated to completely inhabited by hungry ghosts might take away from the performance a little bit, but you know, make it a little bit hard for the martial arts coordinator. I'll leave that to our director. He seems very competent. I think he'll be able to handle this. Y yeah, I think this is gonna this is gonna work out well. Uh, our marketing department's liking it. We're gonna go with it. All right. So, writer, so the director has given it a vision, the producer has come up with some creative solutions, so with these kind of changes, where are you thinking, taking this? Well, I was really kind of taken aback when the studio sent me instructions to rewrite all of Michelle's lines in Ancient Sumerian, because I don't know Ancient Sumerian, but then they sent me an intern from Misotonic University, and she's just all over it, faintly a fish, I don't know what that was about. But, I mean, she was good. She knows intern. She kept mumbling something about the great old one or whatever, but I'm down with it. She didn't. She was nice. Uh, she always worked on time, and, and she didn't eat my lunch from the fridge during writing meetings. That was pretty great. I mean, you can't really ask someone. You know someone's good to go if they don't eat your lunch. You know, they're totally okay. I was, I'm a little wondering why we're making the actors children. Because I really was hoping uh, we get Donnie Yen in this film, and I he has very specific contractual things about his height depiction in a movie. He definitely wouldn't be down being made a kid, and I think we're missing a real opportunity with him being in Rogue One and other things to really 
have a big time martial arts star that's recognizable and, and good. So I mean, if we can, it'd be great. I I, I know I would love to put Donnie in, but I mean, we'll we'll see how that goes. The the children thing is is weird, but I I guess I can. I'm okay with that. Um, also, another guy from the studio came by and asked for a sample of my blood. Um, this is the first fairly big budget movie I've been on, so I figured it was standard. But he didn't take it in a, vi- a vial. He took it in like a small clay pot that had these weird like inscriptions on it. I'm not sure what that was all about, but it should be fine, right? Like, oh, yeah. like they no, take, totally take blood either. samples from writers all the time. <laughs> Right? Yes. Yeah, no. oh, mm-hmm. They do? Okay. And I've been hearing strange things at night when I've been sleeping. I swear I hear like small children laughing outside my window. I look outside, there's nothing there. But there's this like weird sticky stuff on the grass. And I don't know what it is or something. And I swear every time I enter rooms, I smell a little bit of like brimstone. I'm not sure. I had to look up what the smell was to figure out what brimstone was. But I'm pretty sure like when I go into certain rooms, I'm smelling brimstone. But I'm not sure what any of that is, and, and I'm I'm really craving fish lately. You know, that's the smell of success, my friend. Um, so like like yeah, I just want to go swimming a lot, and yeah, fish sound really good. You got some fish? Anyway, that's all I got. So while our writer dines on fine carp, we are gonna pass over his revisions, or I guess confusions. <laughs> Over to well, I mean, we weren't able to revise much. We were mostly just translating things into Sumerian. Right. So, which is weird because when they say the lines, they come out in English, even though they're reading Sumerian. Most of the time, sometimes it says things, and then my brain hurts. Like literally, my brain hurts, and a little blood comes out of my nose when they say some of the lines. Right. I hope, so, you're, I hope anyway. you're saving all that blood, by the way. Oh, uh, as you wish. Yes. Well, I. Uh, so go ahead. Yes, I, I think uh, Sumerian language, it is a classical method acting technique uh, to help get the actors in play, uh, okay. especially for such intense uh, child um, renditions. Uh, that, that, that puts a lot of pressure on the actors and the actresses. Um, so um, I'm sorry I did not advise you about that before we started the film, but um, I think it would make the uh, experience of the entire crew to join as part of that. Um, I do it every night. I, uh, you know, I take a little bit of my blood and I put it in a cup and I lay it out in the sun until 5 a.m. And then I drink the cup with a little bit of moist dew and then it inspires me to uh, direct. Yes. Just wanted you to know that history. They, they let you keep your blood? Yes. I've enjoyed working with the actors. I, I think some of them have not been able to pronounce full syllables. Um, I do not know why. Maybe it's because of my broken English, or maybe I don't understand what they say, or maybe Anthony Hopkins is um, beyond elderly age. Um, I am not sure how old he is, um, but I am just trusting that he is able to speak well. Uh, We had a good time, but some of them kind of channeled old demons uh, during some of the scenes, um, and that was a little scary, um, but it actually made some of the action scenes uh, pretty intense. And so um, I'm excited to get Danny in, uh, if we can, as one of the orcs. Uh, and uh, that would be great. Uh, I, I, what do you think? I, uh, hey, man, Nepal is beautiful, let me tell you. <laughs> I've been scouting for weeks. I am, I am ready to start rolling immediately. When, when Donnie Yen came onto set, he stood on the mountaintop. <laughs> I felt a confluence of beauty, natural energy, and complete and utter wisdom. 
just neatly built into a tiny like fortune cookie fortune just for me and for me alone and that beautiful moment has has inspired me and I'm I'm ready to make this movie happen you know I Donnie Yen he just he's he's part of the universe you know and he he builds this whole world around him I think we can definitely uh, use that to our advantage and it sounds like we've got some kind of more like spiritual elements we're bringing in, which is really just gonna you know enhance that and make it better. So I think that's that's gonna make this a strong piece. And once we get everybody on set there in Nepal, we don't need however many million dollars to make Nepal look epic and exciting. It's already epic and exciting on its own. So we can definitely do that. Uh, we got a couple cranes and a few drones that are gonna fly up and down the mountains. Yes. Yes. When we're doing these. Uh, Long shots, these long takes, and we got a couple cool little tricks to uh, you know cement the, the shots together so we can make it happen. All right, so we're gonna move on to our producer. They've followed your instructions. Yep, so they've been making all the sacrifices at the appointed times. This is good. Necristus, the high priest of bones. Um, I'm getting up at 8 a.m. every day. I never thought that would happen. Yeah, finder of souls and uh, whisperer of secrets is very pleased with everything that's been going on here. And he thinks he can get us... I mean, the director's doing a great job, but really, Necristus is really what's bringing these actors together. Let me tell you. We, we do have a caveat. Uh, those drones, they cannot film the south side of the mountain... Uh, past dusk, this is, let me tell you, very important. No filming must happen past dusk on the south side of that mountain. No filming past dusk, south side of the mountain. What, what I said it three times because it is very important. Necristus commands this. We need to put in some taglines in the credits. They need to, we need to have the line. This is just to keep our lawyers and also Necristus happy. This, uh, after, you know, the typical no animals were harmed in the making of this film, which we actually will be a lie in this case because we have sacrificed a lot of goats. But the, the Willie now also have it, including that, because that just keeps Peter happy. They don't, need to know, they don't need to know about the goats. That happens off screen. It's fine. We need to have the tagline. Uh, let's see. Uh, I've got my notes here. All hail. Man, that's Sumerian. I can't read that. Um... Uh, the Whisper of Dark Secrets, um, may his slumber be undisturbed and dreamless. Yep, okay, yes, yeah, so we'll need that. So, marketing is working on pushing this film. We need to see a lot more of this action. I, you know, the actors keep dropping their weapons in these action scenes. You know, they're maybe looking a little bit listless. I, you know, I don't want to put blame for that on anyone, but I think maybe our director could be pushing them a little bit harder, and maybe we could be duct-taping these things to their hands. You know, they're slippery. They keep dropping them. It's, you know, but they're not looking good in the trailer. So we gotta, you know, punch it up. Maybe uh, do some clever camera tricks. I don't know. I'm not a cinematographer. I know we got a great one here, but maybe you can do something to make these guys look a little more animated and less like they're filled with the wrathful spirits of hungry ghosts. Yeah, I mean, that's because that's the test audiences. They're saying they look like they're filled with the hungry spirits of wrathful ghosts. And you know, no one wants to see that on film, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. You got to work with me here, right? Oh, boy. Amateurs. All right, so I am putting all the results into the movie machine and got the results back. Uh, it's kind of an interesting history. So first off, as it first comes out to theaters, the original reception is kind of poor. A lot of it call it uh, Uncanny Valley the movie 
two, uh, the first one being the Polar Express. Just the effect of the adults on the kids' bodies are a little creepy for people. They also expected more action from a fantasy movie at this point. So, you know, it kind of doesn't get a lot of attention uh, until it gets discovered that after someone watches the movie, 13 days later, they're found in their room, somehow crucified themselves. Uh, so the crucifixion uh, suicide brings a lot more attention to the film. They try to take it out of theaters, but terrorist groups are then able to steal a copy. Uh, they weaponize it. However, it goes out of their control. Um, so it starts trending on, on uh, Tumblr accidentally, and it turns out just seeing the, some certain gifts of certain scenes have adverse effects for people. So I'd say you make your money back around the second month, at which point two thirds of the population is gone. And it's kind of spreading at the third month, the seas turn to blood. Uh, Jesus comes back early, but it's too late to stop it. And uh, eventually, demons now outnumber the human population who love this movie because they're immune to it. And, you know, um, you're getting a this few survivors of you are getting massive um, box office returns from them. So you make your money back at the cost of three quarters of the population. So knowing this, would you like to make any changes to your film? We'll start with you, writer. All right. So... I really like the large check I've gotten. It, it's helped me fund a exhibition to the South Pacific near Antarctica where Mother Hydra and Father Dagon have been calling me. They keep telling me about the keys to Riley. I'm not sure what it is, but I've hired the best diving team that's left of the human population and we're gonna we're gonna go down to the depths. Oh my fingers are wet now. Do you think that's a problem? But anyway, like, like Father Dagon and Mother Hydra have come to me in my dreams. They've told me great rewards await me if I help release them and the Great Old One from their prison. They will they'll let me serve upon their side and give me in my own kingdom. I'm not sure what that all means, but I know I really want to do it. The expedition is going well. We brought enough food along. But some of the crew has started eating other members of the crew, even though we got lots of MREs on board. Um, I guess they're not a fan of butter noodles. But we have enough divers left, and, and it's going well. We, we found some ancient ruins. Uh, there's a gate. It's, it's also an ancient Sumerian. Um, I'm going to try reading it and, and see what happens. All right. What? Oh. Okay, um, we seem to have lost contact with our writer, uh, so I'm just going to pass it on to our director, cinematographer team. Uh, any changes you would make to avert this future? Natini, since we personally opened up my own amusement park that has been weaponized to protect me from uh, the surrounding nations, uh, Danien, I have since, uh, he is blown up in his security guard defense um, company, uh, and he works for me. Um, so I'm excited to, um, from this movie, produce a demon protection case, booklet, that comes with the movie. So I, I think the, uh, it's a win-win for both, uh, for us. Uh, not for all, but for both of us before the movie and after. That is, yeah, so we, we, we win much money, yes. Um, so I, I, I loved it, and I'm excited to do a PBS special um, for children as well. 
uh, that are growing up for the next generation. So I, I, I'm excited. I want to explore stop motion um, for the kids. I think they would love it. You know, all I ever wanted to do was, you know, leave a lasting impact on somebody's life. And you, you can't tell me that this movie hasn't done that. I mean, it's profoundly affected the way that people both view film and interact with each other on a daily basis. So, I mean, you, you can't call, you know, Lars von Trier or Wes Anderson and tell them their movies are stupid or that, you know, they're goofy or cause problems for people. We caused, like, you know, a demon uprising. That's, I don't care if people like the movie. We've changed the world, you know? I think, you know, maybe with a little bit of time, you know, we could use that to our advantage. You know, maybe, maybe I could become, like, a demon of awesome or something. Or maybe I could join the protection squad. May I, may I add, uh, I have started a fund for the death by demons uh, for anyone uh, that if they need funds for funerals, I will personally have Mumford & Sons uh, perform the soundtrack to the movie at their funeral. Mumford & Sons, by the way, uh, are, are actually demons now. They got promoted to demons of pride. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're actually amazing. They've never been better alive. It's it's incredible. And may I add that there will be a demon tournament. Okay, well, so you'll have to fill if, me uh, in. If we ever get in touch with our writer again, feel free to let him know. He can ship me as many MREs of butter noodles as he wants. That's I eat almost exclusively butter noodles and like organic kale chips. That's about it. All right, so um, we're going to go to our producer, uh, who was the one who originally thought of this to save a couple million dollars. So any other last impressions, any last changes? Really, I couldn't have expected this to go on any better. You know, it turns out demons, big spenders at the box office. Subsisting entirely on the blood of innocence leaves a lot of extra income in their budget for entertainment. They're going to see this movie five, six times in theaters. It's fantastic, you know? Our director's little protection squad is doing wonders for me. I have not been bothered by a demon once since I've hired them, so I can give them my ringing endorsement. They are fantastic. Just ninjas around the clock surrounding me. Fantastic. Demon-busting ninjas. Love them. So, is our, our, our cinematographer said, you know, we changed the world and we did something good here. You know, Nechristus has been kind of, you know, I've been seeing him a lot in my dreams, which is odd. He's, he's kind of shed his human form and become a writhering black mass, which, you know, I, I mean, we all have that time in our lives, right? But, you know, things are going well. Love the movie and, uh... You know, then the, the most important part is in that 13 days before people crucify themselves, rave reviews. You know, that's what we can always, that's at the end of the day what we want to do is make a good movie. All right. Well, with that and whoever is left who is listening, uh, we are going to end with a quote from our previous patron saint, Guy Fieri, now replaced by his name is unpronounceable. I don't think he would be touched at all. I think they just welcome, I mean, I'm back from... My expedition, <laughs> all hail Guy Fieri, our new overlord, right hand to Cthulhu. And his words of wisdom, is this creme brew pig? Question mark. <laughs>